And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined as always by my friend and colleague Paul Tenorio. We are coming to you from Murcia, Murcia, Spain, in the hours after the U.S. men's national team's 0-0 draw against Saudi Arabia. We are speaking a little bit quietly, Paul, not because we are lacking intensity like the U.S. was against Japan in Germany on Friday, but because it's very late here in Spain and the walls at our hotel are very thin. So we're trying to be respectful to the people around us, at least mildly. Look, we... we feel like we probably have an international audience on allocation disorder, but let's try not <laughs> for it to be our Spanish neighbors here in, in the hotel in Murcia. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, it's, you know, we're just trying to be nice. And uh, I think we can declare rather definitively the U.S. men's national team to not look nice, not even a little bit, on Friday against Japan. And again, on Tuesday night against Saudi Arabia, those, of course, being their final two matches before the World Cup in Qatar, there are now no more games. There are now only a week or so of training sessions that the U.S. will have together as a full team until they kick off against Wales on November 21st, just outside of Doha. Paul, how concerned should we be? Well, I mean, I, I think probably pretty concerned. I think you're, you can be justifiably worried about what the expectations around this team should be, especially if you went into this whole cycle with like really super high expectations around this team. I think mm -hmm. that's maybe the difference like of how I feel than how most people feel. Like I've always looked at this team as a super, super young team, so much left to prove, so much development still to happen. None of the guys are like playing, you know, consistent starter roles at their big clubs, almost none of them, or haven't been over a consistent two-year period because they're super young. I don't really expect them to be that yet. They're super young and they're limited. Let's yeah, be honest. I mean, yeah, and, and, and we're seeing that. So look... I also am a firm believer that this is a team that plays up in games and a team that plays down in games. There were 45 people in the stands tonight. There were 5,000 people in the stands against Japan. The atmosphere was lacking. At least the intensity in this game was better. I will say that. It was much better than it was than against Japan. But I feel like guys like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic are going to play bigger, better in in on those biggest stages. I I've said on this show before, I think Christian Pulisic plays his best games in the biggest moments, but all of that being said, yeah, I think this team is limited in two of the biggest and most important areas. I have my biggest concerns center back and forward. I think that's definitely going to have an impact in Qatar. And, you know, I, 
my in my mind, I kind of thought, okay, this team should get out of the group, in my opinion. And if they play Holland in the first elimination game, that, you know, it would be a surprise if they won it. So they would have to get lucky, probably. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, how do I feel about them differently has, now? Has it, has it changed? Has that thinking changed at all? No, I'm not really, but I, I mean, I think it's a, it's going to be a bigger challenge for them to get out of the group than maybe I thought it would be. But I always like, I, yeah. I feel like people underrate Iran and we knew that Wales was going to be really tough. I mean, we've talked about it on this trip. I, I said that for me, that was the worst first game matchup for them was Wales because of the way they play. So I don't know, man. I, I think, I think there were certainly, certainly concerns coming out of this camp and i i definitely feel worse about the group than i did going into this camp i changed Mm -hmm. our roster prediction based on how this camp went my roster prediction rather so yeah man it wasn't it wasn't great what about you like do you do you recalibrate how you think about this team yeah absolutely um you know i think i was maybe not quite as optimistic as you were going in um but i was mostly aligned with where you were at and how this team probably should get out of the group, but they were going to have a dogfight. And I was sort of the opinion that if they were going to advance, unless they got Qatar in the round of 16, if they were going to advance past Holland, they would need, they would need to kind of get lucky and, and, and do something that, you know, wouldn't be sustainable over a longer period of time. <laughs> or Senegal um, for that matter, right? Like I, I also think that yeah, or Senegal. the same way. Absolutely. Senegal. Absolutely. Thank you actually for pointing that out. That's a good show. Um, so, you know, now I, I, I'm less confident than I was before that they'll get out of the group. This team was terrible in these two games. Like let's not, let's not like mince words. They were awful against Japan in basically every single way. We documented that in our stories. We documented that in the live edition of the show that we did that was released on Monday night, I think, US time. And, you know, against Saudi Arabia, it was better, sure, but that was an extremely low bar that they had to clear. You know, they came out in the first half. Things look a little little bit different. Serginio Dest is playing on the left. Christian Pulisic is back in the lineup after he missed Friday's game against Japan due to a precautionary measure with an injury that he had suffered in training. Um, what else changed? DeAndre Yedlin came in at right back. Uh, Ricardo Pepe got the start up top. And Kellen Acosta came in for Luca De La Torre in midfield. And the, like you said, the intensity was better. They started actually playing direct, which worked pretty well. Um, they created like a lot of half chances, essentially. They got the ball in a lot of good spots. And then the final ball was lacking. And they yeah, didn't really have any clear looks at goal. Like they looked better, but they, right? They looked a lot better. They played like through the, the game, left side a lot. Serginho Des, mm-hmm. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney. They were combining. They were getting into the attacking third. They were serving crosses. They weren't all there. I mean, they they weren't making that final pass. Really getting that full look. But they yeah. in in building from, you know, in moving up the field in general. Yeah. which they couldn't do against Japan. And, in the first 15 minutes, they did it a million better times better than they did against Japan in 90. Um, so that was better, but the final ball was lacking, like I said. And then the game really devolved. You know, Saudi Arabia was extremely physical. The ref let them be extremely physical. The, it was a fast-paced game. They changed a little bit about how they were defending the U.S. And the U.S. stopped going as direct. And the midfield wasn't really able to get control and slow the game down maybe a little bit when the U.S. could have used 
a more measured tempo. And they didn't really do that much in the second half in particular. And so, when you're looking at a Saudi Arabia team that no one is expecting anything from in Qatar, and that's the sort of performance you're getting after playing against a solid Japan team, but not a favorite at the World Cup, maybe a team that can get out of the group, maybe a team that's going to have a hard time finishing second or first in their group. And these are the kind of performances you put in. Yeah, in some ways you can write off Friday and their touch was terrible and all of that. But in others, like this team, I mean, they're, they're young and they have talent, but ultimately like they're not great. <laughs> they're just not great. And there's all this talk about the golden generation and what have you, and they're not there yet. Maybe they will be one day. Uh, I don't think it's going to be at this World Cup. We'll see if they get out of the group. Um, they certainly won't if they play anything like they did over the last five days. Yeah, and I mean, I think also we should probably acknowledge that, like, I think that there were and there are some roster decisions that have been made in this camp that are, you know, on the yeah, coaching staff. Like, we, so, we, we, we've come out swinging a little bit at, like, expectations around this player group. And I would also say that, like, First of all, let's acknowledge some of the players who are missing from this group that are pretty important. Eunice Musa, mm-hmm. Anthony Robinson, um, Tim Weah. Tim Weah, three of the more important mm-hmm. players to how this team plays, Chris what they want to do. Chris Richards, um, which for me is huge. And and losing Miles Robinson was a, just a killer blow because you, Chris Richards has been hurt so often. Like In my opinion, everyone being healthy, Aaron Long is the fourth center back on the depth chart. Now he's the second center back on the depth chart as yeah. things stand. So and, and he saw how Mark difference. McKenzie played right. tonight. Yeah, Mark McKenzie didn't against do anything. Japan. No, he was bad tonight. He was one of the few, I thought, who looked worse against Saudi Arabia than, than against Japan. For sure. And that was, that was disappointing because Aaron Long left that door wide open for him to walk through and take the spot. Now there are a couple of center backs that are injured. You mentioned Richards. Also Cameron Carter-Vickers had to withdraw from the squad. But Paul, I mean, that's a position of huge concern. We, we've talked about it a lot. It's going to continue to be through the World's Cup, barring something dramatic from Richards, I, I would say. Um, I mean, we were talking about it when we were writing our roster prediction piece that will be coming out, you know, by the time people listen to this, it should be out on The Athletic already. You know, we were we were talking about Tim Ream and like, does this make Berhalter rethink his long-standing exclusion of Tim Ream? I think it should, maybe. I don't think it will, but ugh, man, there's just like, there's not much going right right now. The they can't do, they can't really play with the ball. Tyler Adams and West McKenney both talked about that. Basically, hey, when, when teams sit and and defend us in low blocks or are compact against us, we have to figure out how to break them down and we can't, we haven't been able to do it really. And here we are six weeks out, seven weeks out from Qatar. That's not a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, let's go through also some of the player selection from Burhalter in this camp. I think, you know, it's worth pointing out. He said that there were still some decisions he was trying to make guys. He wanted to see plainly just to see them in person. Ricardo Pepe, I think is a prominent one of those. Joe Scali, I think he wanted to see clearly. He wanted to see Serginho Dest as a left back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Malik Tillman, Johnny Cardozo, I think is a really good example of a guy. He felt the, like he the, wanted to see guys, that he hadn't seen in a while. Those two. Now, 
you know, who were the guys he didn't see because of as all of that, right? Eric Williamson didn't come to this camp and Johnny Cardoso did. Cardoso didn't do anything. And so you wonder Not anything positive. What the miss what you missed with Williamson, you know, Pepe and Sargent were underwhelming. Tillman the same, by the way. Tillman he did not do anything on and, and then Pepe and Sargent, obviously they didn't bring P Falk or Vasquez. So those are the decisions that you probably are, are I don't want to say you're second guessing if you're Greg Berhalter, but kind of, right? You're looking at them like, man, like I didn't get what I thought I might get out of these guys. So what could I have missed out of the other ones, right? Um, and I, I don't and, know if and, he is thinking that way. <laughs> I don't I mean, know that he is. I, I probably is to a certain extent. I mean, look, yeah. we, we've, we changed a bunch of our predicted World Cup rosters. I did not go back and look at 1.0 or 2.0, but I can tell you right now just by glancing at my roster that there is two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-one guys that are the same. Right? Like is the first one? Yeah. I mean like yeah. there aren't that many spots up for grabs. No, to be fair, these are predicted rosters, Paul. They're not they're not who we would take. They're predicted rosters. They're but, who we think Berhalter will take. But like realistically with guys who are going to be playing big roles like guitar, like Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Christian Pulisic, yeah. Gio Reyna, Tim yeah. Weah, Brandon Aronson, um Walker Zimmerman, Anthony Robinson, Serginho Matt Dest. Turner. Like yeah. Those so guys are so who they are. And so sometimes I try to stay kind of level-headed about the position battles for the fifth central midfielder or the sixth winger or the fourth right back. You know, like we have to try to measure it that way. But when you look at the center midfield position uh, up in the where Weston plays, where Eunice plays, and the struggles that happened without Eunice today and on Friday – then it becomes a little bit of a bigger deal when you're thinking about, you know, can Luca Dilatore deliver against the big teams? And is Malik Tillman ready to be at a World Cup for the U.S. men's national team? And could Eric Williamson be somebody who can make an impact at the international sure. level? And and it, it's just hard when you're in these moments to not start to wonder, like, how big of a deal is that? Or would it not be a big deal because if Eunice Musa couldn't play at the World Cup, Brendan Aronson would start at that position or he'd slide Giorina inside. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, if that was going to happen, wouldn't he have tried at this camp? <laughs> I mean, you know? not really. He played He played Brendan Aronson in June. Like, you know what you're going to get. Like, the whole point yeah. was, like, he wanted to see Tillman. He wanted to see Cardoso. He wanted to see Luca Dillatore. He saw all three of them. And then he played Kellen Acosta there. And I think that actually was an important decision to make, too. Because... When we do these exercises where we're predicting rosters, like for me, as an example, having watched Kellen be serviceable enough at that position, I dropped a central midfielder because I decided that I thought Brandon Aronson and Gio Reyna provided enough cover that I wanted to bring an extra winger because I'm not convinced that any of those options, Williamson, uh, who else am I thinking of, Williamson or... Tillman or Delatore are better <laughs> options in that position than Brendan Aronson. Okay. So, and then, so that means that the depth could also be provided by Kellen Acosta as the third or fourth guy in line. So yeah. it matters for roster construction. It's not easy to, 
to do this. It's really not like when I sit down with this, I mean, I've changed how many times have we changed our left yeah, back like and right changed, back combinations? Yeah, we've changed it, but like, like you're allowed to change it over time, right? Like, I'm not really sure what point you're trying to make. I, my point is that I just think that like some of the decisions that are made are not just about like who's the absolute yeah, there's best more, player at that there, position. Yeah, yeah. Because like there's a domino effect at other positions and where you're accounting for certain guys and all of that. Yeah. But man, I mean, I just look at this camp and like I just I just want to bring the focus back to this for a second. Because this was really bad. And and they entered this off of a qualifying campaign that was decent but uneven. They finished third in CONCACAF. Right? Like let's not forget that part of it either. <laughs> Behind Mexico, a Mexico team that a lot of people are are kind of talking crap about is one of the worst Mexico teams in a while in Canada. And the summer was fine. It was good vibes. They continued that. They got a good result against Morocco and a point against a pretty strong Uruguay team. And and they enter this camp. And I talked about this the other day, but they entered the camp and it was it was lighter than I expected in terms of the mood. You know, I thought they would be kind of intense and ready to click in, and they were they were not that way, at least from what we saw. We don't see all of it, but from what we saw, they were not that way against in the build-up to Japan, and they certainly didn't play like that against Japan. And they were frank about that. They admitted it. The intensity was a lot better against Saudi Arabia, but it's just I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's youth, maybe it's naivete, maybe it's something that we saw in the first window of qualifying where they went in expecting a certain thing and then it was a lot harder than they thought it might be. And maybe this will serve as a good wake-up call for Qatar in the end. I think that's the hope. That's the positive spin. But, I mean, they, they have some real things that they need to figure out. And there, aren't, there isn't time left to really figure it out. So, I mean, let's, let's drill in, I think, on the two, the two paces that a lot of people want to talk about. Actually, three things. Let's talk about center backs. Let's talk about strikers. And then, you know, Paul, we get a ton of people in our mentions about this particular thing. But let's talk about the system, too. And let's talk about if this is the right way for Berhalter to have this group of players play. And let's do all of that after we come back from this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see, 
this. A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Paul, we don't have much time before we are taking off in a shuttle to Madrid to catch a flight um, on an air- from an airport that's four hours away from where we are currently. So let's go through the rest of this a little bit quickly. Um, center backs, we entered with huge questions. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, I think he will be starting in Qatar. He might be the captain for one plus one or more of the group stage games. Uh, Aaron Long might be starting next to him, and I don't feel good about that. I didn't feel good about it entering this camp. I think I feel worse about it now. Uh, and I think Chris Richards really needs to get healthy and get on the field for the U.S. to to feel any any kind of decent about the situation in the back line. Do you disagree with any of that? No, and I mean, I, I thought for sure for a while I had my roster projected to have five center backs because I feel so not great about the position but now i have just four center backs going because i feel even worse about the position i just don't know that there's anyone there and and it changes based on whether or not greg berhalter will bring a guy like tim ream who he just is what he is you know what you're gonna get he can't start him next to walker zimmerman but he provides cover if zimmerman were to get hurt or to get a yellow card suspension or something like that where you start to get concerned about a you know Aaron Long, Cameron Carter, Vickers combination if Chris Richards has an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't feel great about the position top to bottom. I thought this was a huge, huge problem. Even when Miles Robinson was healthy, then he got mm-hmm. hurt. And yep. then we we know Chris Richards had struggled to stay healthy on the field. So, yeah, not great at center back. Nothing about this window made anyone feel better about it. And that's just the reality of the position. It's the reality of... The talent pool at this position, um, you know, if people wanted to try to use John Brooks as an example, he's played two minutes since May. Um, he's not in the national team pool considering that. So just not a lot of great options here. And and I think that's just that's who this team is, and it's who they've mm-hmm. been for a while now. Yep, 100%. Um, striker. Jesus Ferreira got, I think he got the most minutes of any forward in this camp, correct? Yep. Uh, yeah. 75-ish or so. Um, Josh Sargent got 45. Ricardo Pepe got 60. None of them got very much service. Um, Kind of hard to judge them because of that. Um, That being said, none of them looked all that impressive either. I personally don't get it with Ferreira at this level. I think he's locked in for this roster, and I think he'll probably start at the World Cup. But I I don't see it from him. I, I don't think he's good enough. Not at this point in time. He's a young player. He can grow into it, and he can prove me wrong. He's doing great in MLS. But, like, right now, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he gets into dangerous spots at certain times, but he hasn't been convincing as a finisher, and he really doesn't threaten in behind too often with the U.S. I mean, he does ever. it with Dallas. He does it with Dallas, which is what's interesting. He, he actually has some pretty well-timed runs to get in behind the back line in Dallas. But it's not really what he's done with the U.S. More often, he's checking back, looking for the ball, wanting to get involved in buildup. 
And, and I, as I mentioned before, I think that's how Greg Berhalter prefers his teams to play, to focus on the wingers. I think the forward position today looked much different when Paul Ariola was on the field because of the runs he was making to threaten in behind, which is what Tim Weah has done so effectively. Like, And the difference being that Tim Weah is a much more lethal finisher and provider in the final third than Paul Ariola. Mm-hmm. But I think, Sam, you and I on the podcast have talked about um, why Tim Weah is more likely to start over Gio Reyna. And I think if you look at Ariola's impact today, that's kind of why. Like, You need a winger that stays wider, that makes those outside-in runs behind the back line, that stretches you vertically. Um, so with all of that being said, I thought Ricardo Pepe also added an element at least of threatening to make those runs in behind. Yeah. And I prefer that. And, and I prefer but, that. And, and the U.S. looked better for it. I thought like yeah. it was less I mean, congested I it for a reason. Like, I think it makes they, it harder to defend. Right. Yeah. And, and you saw it, they were more direct in the first half. Saudi Arabia was less compact than they were in the second. And that wasn't just on Pepe because the long balls were not really intended for him. A lot of it was McKenney making, making good direct runs down kind of the left channel. Um, some of it was uh, Pulisic, I think was targeted for a few of those in behind. Um, and, and I don't know exactly why they stopped doing that as much in the second half, but I, I like a striker that, that can stretch the back line for the U S or looks to do it more than Ferreira does. Um, and as I've mentioned before on the show and in writing, like I just have more faith in some of the other guys on the roster and being able to kind of get across center backs and actually finish Ferreira had a decent chance tonight and I thought he did okay with it. Honestly, it wasn't like it was a huge miss or anything like that. There's a turnover for Saudi Arabia. Paul Ariola won the ball, threaded it through into the box. Ferreira made a good run, got on the ball, had, you know, not much space, not much of an angle, not much time. And he had a decent shot on target, but it was right at the goalie. And it was an easy save in the end. So, I don't know. None of these guys are convincing. And and we've talked about it a million times, man. We're going to talk about it a million more. These two positions, I think, ultimately will be the undoing of the U.S., in Qatar in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, these are positions that we were talking about pretty much from like September or qualifying on. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you can even go back to Gold Cup and um, Nations League. Jossie Zardes was still involved then. Yeah. Daryl DK was getting a run out. Again, just like the center back position, this is not a really a difference or a change. What's disappointing is that for a little bit there, we thought Ricardo Pepe was the guy. And he hasn't been. Yeah. You know, maybe Jordan Peefock is going to be the guy. Maybe his form finally translates from club to country. We don't know. But this is just a problem spot. And it matters because they haven't been able to create goals. I'm trying to remember <laughs> which player it was I was talking to in the mix zone after the game. We got a lot of them tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just about that idea of like, there are other ways to create goals besides just through the number nine. And we're not doing a good enough job of that, but we can do it. It might've been Christian Pulisic. Um, I have to go back to the audio because there were so many players that actually did stop and talk about this window and, and reflect a little bit on it. But realistically, you know, they really haven't created that many goals like through the wingers. Tim way has been probably the best at it. I mean, they've been Paul, they've been shut out. They've had four games since the start of June against opponents that are going to the World Cup, they've been shut out in three of them. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the problem, right? So it's not, for me, it's not just about the number nine. I think 
they they need more from Christian Pulisic. Everyone. I think they need more from the winger position. I think they need to find they ways need more to from start, the midfielders. They need to start scoring on set pieces. Like this, yeah. that's an area this team should be better at. And they've hired a set piece coach. We'll see if that has an impact. But you know, center back, forward. These have been the problems with this national team since. You know that that's just the area of this pool that they don't really have like the yeah. depth or the star power or the young players coming through that they do other places. And I know people will say, "Well, what about Brandon Vasquez? He never got a chance." A lot of forwards got a chance. He's the one who didn't. Yeah, like, realistically, he he's the one who did. Whatever it's worth. Yeah, um, I wish Sargent would have gotten more run tonight too. Um, um, he's done well with Norwich. He didn't get much of an opportunity against Japan in terms of the service he got. He also didn't do much to impress in that match on his own. Um, and he'll leave camp. I don't know. I thought I felt a lot better about his odds of going to Qatar before the Saudi Arabia match than I did afterward. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he didn't play wasn't a great indicator for him. No. And the fact that Berhalter said after the match that he brought in Ferreira because he thought, you know, Jesus gave him the best chance to win. <laughs> it was that simple for him. Um, Paul, the system question, it's one that we hear a lot in terms of how this team plays and if Berhalter has set them up in a way that would allow them to succeed. I know there's a lot there and I know we have to be kind of brief, but what do you think? I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot there to, let's do this in one minute. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah you get two you'll get two i don't i don't have a problem with the 4-3-3 system with this team or the fact that as i've said i i feel like this team is more of a transition based Mm -hmm. pressing based team than it is trying to build out from the back that narrative to me is just not true anymore they haven't really tried to be like a 4-2-3-1 columbus crew style greg berhalter team in two and a half years um so I think this is how the team should play. I think it's helped a lot by having some of the more direct players on the field, Anthony Robinson and Tim Weah and Eunice Musa, all vertical thinking, get forward, make a difference type of players. But for me, the problem is that they haven't found a way yet to unlock Christian Pulisic in this system. They, I think, I think Gio Reyna hasn't found a home in the system yet. But part of that is just because he's been hurt a lot. And even tonight, he had to leave the game because he felt it in his hamstring. Um, I actually think Weston McKinney can be great. Like, Weston McKinney against Mexico at home in that game was was like, that's like how you think of Weston McKinney in this system. And the ideal of it. It's just been inconsistent with him. So, I don't know. I don't think it's a system thing for me. I, I just, I think it's like, other than other than the big thing being like, how can you get more out of Christian Pulisic? But but I don't know that there's an easy answer. Like we went through this, we were walking down to the Cathedral Mercia talking about like, how would you do this as a three five two? How would you do this as? And remember, it started off as a four one four one. Who gets benched? How you know wh- who do you play here? Who do you play there? Like, it's not the easiest solution. Um, do you play with the two striker system and Christian Pulisic plays as a forward, and you take away? more of the defensive responsibility. I don't know, but I, I feel like this is the best solution so far, but maybe, you know, maybe it is a three, five, two and Christian ballistic moves up top. That would work better. I, I, I don't know. It, to me at that point, you're getting into somewhat of semantics, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not a system thing for me. It, I, I just feel like 
I feel like there's just got to be a way to get more out of the the one guy who gives you the best chance to like score goals. Like honestly, like Christian Pulisic, if you find ways to unlock him in the final third, is probably your best bet at this point to score goals consistently. Yep. And and I think they stumbled across something in in June when they dropped Musa deeper next to Adams and, and kind of changed the shape, shifted Aronson in that case as a central midfielder a little bit higher, a little bit more to the right and allowed Pulisic more space to operate in the left side, in the middle, and kind of a little bit more freedom. I think assuming Musa is back and assuming you have that midfield three of Musa, McKenney, and Adams, that's what we'll see again in Qatar. I think that's probably how it'll end up looking, at least when the U.S. has the ball. Um, and I think that that will work okay. Um, my one thing here, man, is the U.S. has a lot of freelancers. It's weird because there's so much talk about system. And there's so much talk about, oh, Berhalter is so rigid and, and all of this. And, and for all of that, you have guys out there that sometimes are doing whatever the hell they want to do. And Dest is in that group. Gio Reyna can be in that group. Pulisic can be in that group. Weston McKenney is absolutely in that group. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it looks great. And sometimes you run the risk of all of that kind of messing with the structure and blowing things up in a way that really makes it not work. I think we saw a little bit of that against Japan. Um, I didn't think we really saw it against Saudi Arabia, but I don't know. I think I'm mostly aligned with you. I think you need to flip that triangle to have two. I think you need to have one closer to Adams, but I think they're getting there anyway. And I think had you seen Musa in this camp, I think you would have played like that. So, yeah. All right, Sam, let's end this Paul. with, with we both done our rosters. We yeah. both watched these games live. Well, We've and talked let's to do a it. lot of people. Let's do it after the break, Paul. <laughs> well, let me say what we're going to do first. I'd like oh, to get okay. your thoughts, Sorry. not just going through the roster. People can click on the athletic and look at our rosters there. Uh, yeah, good but, point. Good point. But maybe if there's one surprise that you now have in your roster that either you didn't before or just is the, the, the thing that stands out to you about it. All right. Stay with us. We'll talk about that after the break. <clears throat> All right. You ready? Three, two, one. And we are back. Allocation disorder. Final segment from Spain. Putting a bow on this very no good, rotten USMNT last pre-World Cup camp. Um, Paul, you sent us the break by saying, was there any surprises on our final roster? Any changes that I made? Anything that really stuck out? And, And I think I went a little bit more vanilla than you did in this one. I was tempted to leave off Zach Steffen. I was tempted to add Tim Ream and drop a fullback. Um, I was tempted to make that Reggie Cannon and leave Joe Scally on. Uh, I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> I think the thing that was most surprising to me in terms of what I predict Burhalter to do was put, I don't know, PFOC on over Sargent. I think if you had asked me the question before the game against Saudi Arabia, I wouldn't have done that. Um, Afterward, I changed my mind. Uh, but I don't think anything I did was super surprising. I think you were a little bit more out there than I was, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I also at first thought I was going to have five center backs, like I said earlier, and I, I was going to have Tim Ream. I, I ultimately, I just don't know that Berhalter will do that. And again, this is p- picking what we think Berhalter's roster will look like. 
So I ended up with five fullbacks. So basically everyone's joining the party. Scally, Cannon, Dest, Yedlin, and Anthony Robinson. They're all going to be there. They're all going to yeah. be having a good time. And this, by the way, these rosters are assuming that the guys that are currently banged up will not be when they get right, to They'll be healthy, sure. And I, So I think the biggest surprise for me was I dropped a center midfielder. I dropped Luca De La Torre. Yeah. And that means I have five central midfielders, um, which isn't unprecedented. If you go back and look at Burhalter's rosters, he, he kind of carries fewer there. But again, it's because Brendan Aronson can play centrally. Christian Pulisic can play centrally. Gio Reyna can play centrally. Like, I think you have options there. And I just feel unconvinced. Like, I think if Yunus Musa was hurt, I think Brendan Aronson would, would start at the World Cup. Um, that's just as a central it. midfielder. As a central midfielder. And then you have Kellen Acosta who can step up into the eight if you need. Mm-hmm. And you also have those other options with Pulisic, with, with Gio Reyna. Yeah. Um, again, just because I just started to think about, like, those last three spots on the roster. And, like, really, if it came down to crunch time, you're at the World Cup and Eunice Musa gets hurt, like, who are you calling and putting in the game? Like, is it going to be Luca Dilatore? Is it going to be... Malik Tillman or Johnny no it's probably not so like where are you going to use those extra spots on your roster I think <laughs> some of it is the glue guys yeah so I was gonna I, say I, you took an extra vibes guy you took yeah, one I brought, more vibes I brought guy vibes guys I mean I brought a couple I brought Jordan Morris because I think I, I think he's going to lean towards verticality on the roster and I brought Christian Roldan because he's a vibes guy like that's I think a better use of that spot Christian Roldan somebody who's really well regarded so that's that was my big upset. Not a, you know what? That was about as thrilling as <laughs> to be expected at this point. Oh man. I mean, I don't know, Paul. We're gonna talk about this a million times between now and November twenty first. But I mean, if if I'm putting a gun to your head right this second, are they making it out of the group? Um yeah. I think they get a draw against Wales. I think they lose to England. And I think in the last game against Iran, it turns into a more open game and, and they get a win and get through. That's that's my prediction. What, are you, what about okay. you? I think that sounds pretty good. I also think they're going to find a way through by the skin of their teeth. I don't think it's going to look pretty all the time, but I think they're going to manage it. Um, I think this window will end up serving as something of a wake-up call for them that they shouldn't enter cocky or confident and that they know now that they're going to have to really fight and really be on their game and really scrap if they want to go if they want to go through and and so i think in that way maybe this is a little bit of a silver lining on a dark cloud from the september window um paul it's been a pleasure hanging out with you the last 10 days you gonna do it again in qatar we've had some good food and i'll see you in about seven minutes downstairs for a four-hour bus ride to madrid oh I got my ears pierced. We forgot oh, to talk yeah. about that. I was going to say that for when trip. we did a video version of this podcast, but you just <laughs> stole it. You stole the moment. Unbelievable. Shout out to my good my good friends at Dragon Tattoo Murcia. <laughs> Sam went Thanks for listening team. to Allocation Disorder. I got ear upped. Good night.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.